an accident. Good morning. If you have your Bibles handy, won't you turn with me to Mark chapter 4, please. Mark chapter 4, that is where we're going to be for a majority of our morning. I want to take some time now to welcome all the visitors we have this morning. It's such a joy to see you all with us and see that you have chosen to worship with us. It's always joyful to sing songs together and to read out of the Bible and learn more about how to be like Christ. This lesson that I prepared for you this morning, I, I've called it Choked by Thorns, because it's out of Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower, when he's talking about the seeds that are thrown on the ground that start to grow, and then their growth is stopped because the thorns choke them out. If you will, read with me in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And down in verse 18, if you will follow along with me. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This morning, I want to talk about a subject that really, I think, hits all of us pretty equally. And that subject is the idea of distractions. And I could sit here and talk to us all about distractions during worship, what we think about during the sermon or the songs or the prayers, and I could probably fill out a whole entire list of ideas that is longer than most of my sermons. But today I want to talk about distractions in our normal, everyday life and walk with God. Our goal as Christians is to live a life that is pleasing to God and worthy to be called sons of God. But we can be easily distracted from that. And we live in a very distracting world. Nowadays, so many things can take us away from our our faith or pull us away from our jobs because it's something flashy or fun. I think about my own life, I'm often distracted by sports or TV. On my phone, I've got too many sports apps, and if I get a notification, I can spend probably 30 minutes just scrolling through meaningless, needless information that I will never use again in my life. And before long, I'll have looked down at what I was supposed to be reading for the day, and I'll notice that I've only gotten maybe one paragraph in 45 minutes. Distractions are everywhere. And this morning, what I want us to do is we are going to look at examples from Jesus' own teaching about what distractions we face in our walks. And as Christians, when we talk about distractions, we have to understand that distractions in this sense are what we're going to talk about this morning, are distractions from being pure and holy in God's sight from being lights in the world or examples of Christ to all those around us. And if we're distracted from that goal, 
and lose sight of the reward that God promises those who are faithful to Him, then we lose our opportunity of the reward because we've been pulled away by our distractions. Look with me again at Mark 4.19, and we can see a clear understanding of what distractions will come to us. 4.19, it says, But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The very first thing that I want to talk about this morning is that we're distracted by the cares of this world. And when I say that, what I want us to understand is that when cares of the world, or what cares of the world are, is our everyday life, everyday tasks that we go through. Jesus is telling us that the world will pull us away from our faith and from finishing our spiritual race. It will change our focus from things spiritual and put it more on entertainment or politics or jobs or careers. It will tell us to focus more on our everyday lives and on the world we live in. When we read about being distracted by the cares of the world, we can insert anything we care about into this sentence. We are distracted by, uh, by the care of our jobs. We are distracted by the care of our households. We are distracted by the care we have for our hobbies. When we focus too much on our jobs, on our careers that we have, and we put it first in our lives, then it takes away from our walks with God. And I'm not saying we can't focus on our jobs or we can't put out our best effort in our jobs. But when we strive to fulfill everything in that first and put our spiritual lives second, then we're going to find that to be distracting from pleasing God. We'll always focus on the next paycheck, on how we can make that better. And we're not going to care how much it takes away from my time to study in the Bible, or my time with my family, or my time from, with God. And when we put more focus into our careers and how it can improve our own worldly lives, our comforts, then we're distracted from our spiritual walks. We're also distracted by our cares or our sports and hobbies. We put too much time into our entertainment or sports. And like I said, we'll learn so much about a certain player or team or actor or musician that we'll know everything we can know about that one person. But when someone tells us to turn to a passage in our Bible, we draw a blank because we haven't spent as much time in our Bible as we have with our hobbies. And we're distracted from actually learning what God has to say about our own lives. We're distracted by the cares of the world when we look at our own households as well. Look with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 10, and I think we have an excellent example in this passage, Luke chapter 10, at the end of this chapter, we are given the story of Mary and Martha. When I was first writing through this sermon, I had a list of characters. And what I was going to do was go through different characters and talk about what they were distracted by. And I wrote it out and I sent it to Jacob. And he quickly told me that it seemed disjointed, unfunctional, and that I needed to find a more clear and concise way to do it. And so I found a way to stick these characters in under what Jesus said. So, Martha and Mary is an interesting story. You see, the two are in their house, and Martha is sitting there at Jesus' feet. 
She is learning and listening to everything he has to say. But Mary is worried about the care of her household. Look with me, if you will, at starting in verse 39 of chapter 10, or starting in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The ESV reads that, that Mary was distracted by much serving. She looked at what she had to do, how she could take care of Jesus in her own home, and she was distracted by all the work that came from it that she didn't sit down and listen to the most important thing, to hear what Jesus was teaching. See, Mary chose that. She understood what the goal was. She understood what she needed, or not what she needed to do, but she understood that there was something more important than serving at that time. That was sitting down and listening to Christ teach. We can be the same way. We can focus so much on having people over, on being very, uh, very community-type people and enjoy the company of others, but we can forget or be distracted by the Word. We're so focused on how we invite others into our home, how we take care of them, how we lift them up, that sometimes that takes us away from the teachings of Christ, much like Martha was. And it's not bad, please don't get me wrong when I say that we can be distracted by that, because it's never a bad thing to have that community sense as brothers and sisters in Christ. But we have to remember that we're all striving for that same goal. We're all striving to live a life that is pleasing and righteous before the sight of God. And if we're distracted by how our house looks, how many people we can fit into our home, and focused more on stuff like that instead of teaching each other, learning more from each other, from the Word, then it takes us away from our walks. The cares of this world distract us from living a life pleasing to God. But that's not it. You see, in Mark chapter 4, we also read that we're distracted by the deceitfulness of riches. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts is about Simon the magician. Simon is a very interesting character. You see, in the beginning of chapter 8, Simon is a magician who is loved by the crowds. He makes his living because he wows them with his magic, or as some versions read, his sorcery. And they flock to him, and they follow him, and they pay him money because of what he can do. However, something happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 9, that changes all of this. Read with me, if you will, in chapter 9. Or, sorry, yes, in, in chapter 9, I apologize, I was getting lost reading far, too far down. 
But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. Now skip down with me down to verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon was distracted by the power that the apostles had. He was distracted not only because of the power that they had, because of what it could have meant for him. He wanted to have that power. He wanted to buy that power from them so that others would come to him and he could lay hands on them and give them the power of the Holy Spirit. If we remember, Simon has that lifestyle of the magician. People pay him for what he can do. And if he had the power of the Holy Spirit, then how much more would people pay him for what he could do? Simon is distracted by the deceitfulness of riches. He greedily desires that power for the Spirit, and he wants it because people will come to him for it. We can be the same way as Simon was. We're distracted by riches when our focus on wealth turns more to covetousness. We focus more on how we shape our lives around wealth. We look at others and what they have. Someone's got a brand new car, and you see it in their driveway, and you begin to wonder, Man, wouldn't that look nice in my driveway? Don't I deserve that brand new truck? We start to covet what someone else has because of the wealth they have. When we focus on wealth, it turns to covetousness. But not only that, it can turn to us using any means necessary to obtain wealth. If I'm distracted by the riches of this world, then I'm not going to stop at anything to obtain those riches. I'm going to be driven by that desire to have as much wealth as possible, to find the best paying job, to find the job that gives me the most recognition so I can maybe grow more and get more opportunities. And if that doesn't work, well, then maybe I'll turn to gambling. I'll turn to that sign that says I can win a million dollars just by playing a game. And the more I do that, the more stress I'll begin to put on my family. But it doesn't matter because in the end, that wealth that is waiting for me is right there. It's just one more card game. When I focus on wealth, it can take me away and make me distracted from my spiritual walk. Being distracted by the deceitfulness of riches makes me turn my hope away from the promise of God. And it puts my hope in the things of this world. And I think that's why Jesus coins it as the deceitfulness of riches. It's deceiving because it's not there. It doesn't doesn't give you salvation. It can give you comfort. It can give you happiness for some time. But it doesn't save you like the Word does. Instead of looking to God to help me face the issues in my life, I'll start to turn to money or wealth. That maybe a certain trial or struggle is in my life, but All I need is an extra couch or a nice new house to make me feel more comfortable, and then it'll be okay. 
And I'll continue to turn more to how money can make me happy, how money can make my family happy, how it can ease my stress. And each time I go that way, I start to take away from what God can do for me, what Christ can do for me. And I am distracted from my spiritual walk. Thirdly, we become distracted by the desires of other things in this passage. And Jesus, when he talks about this, I think he means that the desires that creep in from the world into our life, thinking of personal temptations that might come our way. We're going to be distracted by things that aren't spiritual. Think of our daily lives, our our walks, what we do, the people we surround ourselves with, the lives that they live. We look at who we surround ourselves with and how they live, how they act, how they talk, and their influence will slowly start to creep in to our lives. It will slowly start to distract us from our own spiritual walk. We start to look at the fun that they seem to be having. And we start to think, well, that seems a lot better than my life. My life seems so restrictive. It seems like I can do so much more if I just focus on having fun. When we think of being distracted by other things, things that creep into us, we can be distracted by a couple different things that immediately pop to my mind. We can be distracted by a desire to be like the world. We can look all around us, and like I was saying, we see the examples of our friends and our family living a life without God in the middle of it. When we examine their lives, it may seem like they're having so much fun, that they're really enjoying themselves. They have no inhibitions in their lives from pleasing themselves or doing whatever they can to make sure they're happy, their family is happy. They don't seem to be weighed down by expectations from their faith. We start to maybe zero in on this, and it starts to distract us from our spiritual walk. It takes us away from the faith we have, and soon our lives maybe look the same as theirs, without God at the center of it. Maybe the desire of other things may be a sexual temptation, a distraction because my flesh is desiring of something that I don't have that I look around and something is pleasing to me. And because it pleases me, then I'm going to find a way to get it. I'm going to be distracted by a desire to please my sexual gratification or desire in ways that I probably shouldn't. A sexual desire will distract me from my spiritual walk because it will push God out of focus. And it will put sexual gratification into my focus. It will make that the sole purpose of my life. That's where my hope is, my joy is, instead of being in God and His salvation. Maybe being distracted by the desires of other things just simply is greed, like we've talked about in the deceitfulness of riches. That desire to have so much money or so many material possessions that I'll stop at nothing to get. This distracts us from our spiritual walk. It's very effective in distracting us from our spiritual walk because it causes us to stop focusing on God and focus more on myself. And when we start to focus more on ourselves and be distracted by what Zach wants, then we lose sight of that end goal, that reward that God has promised us. 
And it causes us to be choked up by the thorns around us and lose sight of that goal. So how do we focus? How do we fight the distractions that enter into our life? When we start to think about this question or understand this, we have to realize that the rewards God is going to give us are far greater than the rewards on this earth. Turn with me to Colossians, please. Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, we get to me what is the answer of how to fight against distractions. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. We fight distractions by setting our minds on the things above. Now, this this is simple to look at and say, yes, I've read that before, I understand that. But it's more detailed than just a simple reading. What I believe Paul to be saying is focus more on the reward that God has promised you. Realize that that is far greater than anything this earth can offer you. If we're working on not being distracted from our spiritual walks, then we're going to be reminding ourselves that there is something far greater in store for us than desires in this world, than the household cares we might have than the riches that can be gained in this world. In Romans 8, Paul is telling the church of Rome about the law of the flesh and the law of the Spirit and what differentiates between the two. He tells them about how how the readers have become slaves to the law that we choose to follow, obeying it at all costs. And oftentimes through Romans 8, he's telling them they've become slaves to their flesh, They see what they want and they go after it. They find what pleases them and they get it. But he reminds the Christians in verses 18 and 19 why they should choose the law of the Spirit instead. In verses 18 and 19, what we read, if you'll turn with me there, he reminds them of the reward that they have in heaven. Romans 8, chapter, or Romans chapter 8, verse 18 or 19. Or Sorry, we will start in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. In times to come, the reward that we can see in this passage is that all those who are faithful will be revealed as children of God. All those who are heirs in the Spirit through Christ, will be revealed because of their faithfulness, because they have successfully fought off the distractions that Jesus warned about, because they have set their mind on the things that were above. That's what we hope in. That's what we focus on. Because when we do that, we can fight the temptations that will creep into our lives. Temptations are inevitable. They're going to be in our lives, no matter what. But we have to be willing to face them, to deal with them. 
Will you pray with me about that? Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time so thankful that we have this time set aside to worship you, to be free of distractions of the world, to focus on the word that you have given us. Father, we pray that as we go into the world, into our weekly lives, that we will always focus on the things above, reminding ourselves that the reward you have promised us is far greater than any reward we might have here in this world. Father, we pray that we always remain focused on that end goal, to be faithful and pleasing in your sight, so that we too might be revealed as sons of you one day. We thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son because it is through that sacrifice that we can focus more on you. We can focus more on the reward and the sacrifice that he gave his life for us so that we might have that opportunity to be called your sons. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. There is anyone here who needs the prayers of the church or has been studying through their Bible and understands that the way to salvation, the way to that opportunity to be called a son of God is through baptism. Won't you come now while we stand and sing?